Mystery on Danger Road, Chapter 5 On Police Business Cindy pushed the money behind the sewing box out of the man's line of vision. Who was he? Did he have something to do with the money hidden in the clown? If he saw her with it, what would he do? There was only the screen door between them, and Cindy had left it unlatched. Come back, Mom, Jay, and Dexter. Hurry, she thought. Aloud, she said, Yes, I'm Cindy Temple. Suddenly, she breathed a sigh of relief, chiding herself for her fear. It must be the service repairman, or Sam's owner. That was it. Not someone who had hidden the money in the clown, someone who had come here to get it, and her. Cindy stood up. You must be the repairman, she said. Her voice sounded strained, even to herself. Or the dogs. No, interrupted the man. I've come for the clowns. Cindy swallowed and took a step back. I'm with the police, the man said. He flashed an ID card at her. Special Investigator of the Criminal Division, James Skidmore. The police? Cindy swallowed. Things were happening so fast. We have to move quickly, he said, returning the card to his wallet. Cindy walked over to the door. We're on the trail of a very clever, very dangerous, and very ruthless man, said the man called Skidmore. He held up a couple of armored cars recently and hid the stolen money in some stuffed clowns. He's been sending them to an address miles away. He plans to pick them up later when he makes his escape. Cindy's thoughts whirled. Stolen money was hidden in the clowns? And this man was a special investigator trying to track down the money in the criminal? The man went on. You picked up the clowns by mistake the night before last out at his house. How could this man know that? Cindy wondered. Bork, that's the man's name, hired a woman to make clowns for him. She was doing some for the local fair anyway. The investigator spoke more urgently. There's no time to lose. Bork is going to slip through our fingers again if we don't nab him now. I'll take you down to police headquarters, and you can make a sworn statement about picking up the clowns from his address out on Danger Road. You'll be back here in half an hour, but you must come now, otherwise it will be too late. Bork will have escaped. Cindy tried to sort the thoughts in her head. The police wanted her help. But how did you know I was here to pick up the clowns? Cindy asked, confused. I had been following Bork, said Skidmore. We'd finally figured out that he was secreting the stolen money and some objects and sending them out of town, but we didn't know until that night before that the money was stashed in some stuffed clowns. I was going to pick up the clowns that night, but you beat me to it. But, Cindy started to say, all in good time, young lady, all in good time, said Skidmore impatiently. Get the clown, and we'll be down to the headquarters. We need that for evidence. Hurry, before Bork has a chance to get away. Cindy shook her head. But the clowns aren't here, Mr. Skidmore. They're at the fair. This one fell out of the box. I just found it. At the fair, repeated Skidmore. Yes, and the fair doesn't open until twelve on the dot. Skidmore frowned. Well, one clown is better than none. Come on, we'll take you down to headquarters. Your statement will seal the case. We'll get the rest of the clowns later. Cindy's head spun. You come down and verify that you found this clown, among others, 
out there at the address on Danger Road. We'll bring the clown with us, of course, as evidence. You can also explain that this was one of 20 clowns you and your mother picked up. That's the only way we can link Bork with the clowns, with your sworn statement. I see, said Cindy. I'll explain everything as we go, Skidmore said. You understand that we must move very quickly. Bork is eager to get out of town. Can't you just arrest him now? asked Cindy. Of course not. We have nothing to connect him to the clowns. Don't you see? Nothing but you saying that you found the clowns at his house. Cindy blinked. They really needed her. Well, of course, I'll help. I'll drive you over to headquarters right now, Skidmore said. You'll be back within half an hour. I'll have to leave a note in the kitchen for Mom and the boys, said Cindy. Of course, Skidmore said with a nod. Could I trouble you for a glass of water? I'm parched. Sure, Cindy said. Please come in. She led him into the kitchen and got him a glass from the cupboard. He filled the glass from the tap as Cinder hurriedly scribbled a message on the yellow memo pad she'd made for her, for her family. Going to police headquarters with special investigator of criminal division. Exciting news. Back in half an hour. We'll tell you all, Cindy. There, Cindy said. I'm ready. She stuck the note on the refrigerator with a magnet. Good girl, Skidmore said. I'll just finish my drink, and we'll be on our way then. Please, get the clown and the money. Cindy nodded and hurried into the dining room to retrieve the money she had stuffed behind the sewing box. She crammed it back into the clown as Skidmore joined her. They started out the front door. The dog pulled at Cindy's jeans and whined. Oh, may I please take him with us? That's not appropriate, Skidmore said firmly. Cindy looked down at the dog. His brown eyes seemed to plead with her. She bit her lip. Really, I must take him with me, she insisted. We sort of belong to each other. Very well, Skidmore said impatiently. Let's get going. The car's just outside, and I don't drive a marked car for obvious reasons. I'm a plain clothesman. It's a plain car. I still don't understand, Cindy said. I'll explain as we go, Skidmore told her. The dog can ride in the back seat. Cindy got in the front seat and shut the door. As he drove, Skidmore talked. Bork lives in that house on Danger Road. We've known he was somehow connected to the armed robberies of several armored cars in the state, but we never could pin anything on him. We have to be sure that we have an ironclad case before we arrest him. Cindy turned to look at Detective Skidmore. He was staring intently at the road ahead. I've been watching Bork's house for some time. We know there was something strange about the shed behind his place. The empty shed, thought Cindy. She knew there had been something funny about it. Well, he has a trap door there, Skidmore continued. Under the shed is his workshop. He hid the money there and then sewed it in the clowns. He was going to ship the clowns out of town and pick them up miles away. A trap door, thought Cindy. Of course. She must have just missed Bork that night. He'd been in the shed and had just gone down through the trap door to his dugout basement, his workshop. She shivered. What if Bork had been her, her th what if Bork had seen her that night? 
What would he have done to her? Perhaps you saw him again last night, Skidmore went on. I've been watching your house. I had to be sure that Bork wasn't on your trail. Something clicked in Cindy's mind. The dog, down in the basement, growling at the empty window. You were looking through that basement window, she said. Yes, I had to be sure that the box holding the clowns was in your house, not out in the car, where Bork might find it. It's an easily recognizable box with a red circle on it. I assured myself that it was safely in your house. Then the dog was growling at someone, protecting her. She reached back to pat him. The dog licked her hand. I'm glad it was you who tracked me down and not Bork, said Cindy. She thought for a moment. But how did you find me? How did you know who I was and where I lived? Skidmore smiled without showing his teeth. You befriended a hurt dog. I listened to the radio and read the classified ads. I knew the dog wasn't yours, and it didn't belong to Bork. I felt sure that you would be putting a notice in the lost and found. You did. I answered that ad and discovered your name and address. Cindy blinked. So it was you who called about the dog, not the real owner. Skidmore nodded. Yes, I'm sorry to have to lie to you. I didn't want to reveal my purpose too soon, not knowing who you might talk to. The call was the only way I could trace the clowns. I had to trace them because I knew you'd be in danger. Cindy sighed. I just knew his name wasn't really Mutt. It was the only name I could think of right off the top of my head, said Skidmore. Cindy turned back to the dog. Hey, your name isn't Mutt. It isn't anything, at least not any name I know. And no one has called up about you, so I get to name you whatever I like. Let's keep it Sam. The dog wagged his tail and licked Cindy's hand. She suddenly sat up straight. I thought you said we were going to police headquarters, Cindy said, looking around. They were driving out into the country. Skidmore spoke quickly. We are going to the police station right after we conclude some business out here. Let me explain. Some of the force thought it would be wise idea to meet us at Bork's house, and since you are, as we say, an eyewitness, you need your we need your statement that Bork's house is indeed the one you saw that other night. He shrugged. There are just a couple of things to check out before we arrest Bork. We won't take much of your time. I must say I admire and appreciate your cooperation. It would be pleasant if there were more citizens like you. Cindy nodded, feeling lots of things at once, pride, confusion, excitement. She wished the boys could be sharing this adventure with her. Cindy drew her breath when she saw that they were approaching the house on the hill. The house with the empty shed behind it had the shadowy figure she'd been she'd seen in the shed been Bork. She suddenly shuddered at the thought that she'd barely escaped him. The car pulled into the gravel driveway where were the other police cars, Cindy wondered. Weren't the police supposed to meet Skidmore? And her there? She glanced at Skidmore. He did not seem at all concerned. Perhaps the cars had been hidden from sight for some reason. After all, this was a very touchy case, according to Special Investigator Skidmore. 
As the car bumped along the rough gravel driveway, something caught Cindy's eye on the seat between them. It was a piece of yellow paper. On the paper was her own handwriting. She could make out the words, exciting news, back in half an hour. But that was the note she had left for her mother, Jay and Dexter. She had put it under the magnet on the refrigerator. How could it possibly have got here in the special investigator's car? She stared straight ahead as the car finally came to a stop right outside the shed. Suddenly, she knew, Skidmore himself had taken the note and put it in his pocket. She hadn't wanted anyone to know he hadn't wanted anyone to know where Cindy was. Chapter six Trapped Underground Skidmore had asked for a drink of water. Cindy had taken him into the kitchen and then gone back to the dining room. He must have grabbed the note then, but why? Something was terribly wrong, Cindy fought back panic. She looked desperately around for someone else, other police officers, but there was no one. Could Investigator Skidmore have been lying to her? Why would a police officer want to keep her from telling her family where she was? A police officer wouldn't. Could this man, then, not be a police officer? She'd seen his badge, but she realized now that she hadn't really gotten to look at it. Maybe it was fake. Suddenly, Cindy knew. She was alone with a man who had stolen the money and hidden it in the clowns. Bork, or whatever his name was, he had kidnapped her because she knew about the clowns and where they came from. The question was, what would he do to her? Cindy didn't waste more time thinking. She made a sudden lunge for the door, opened it, and fell out onto the gravel driveway next to the shed. Something sharp cut into her knee. In another second, the dog had leapt from the back seat to the front and out of the car down door to where Cindy lay. He licked her face, whimpering. Cindy forced herself to get up and run, even though her knee was on fire with pain. There was no telling what Skidmore, Bork, or whatever his name was, would do if he caught up with her. She glanced over her shoulder as she ran, the dog at her heels. The man was opening his car door. Stop, he shouted. What are you doing? Come back here. Cindy tried to run faster, but her knee burned from her fall, and she didn't know where to go. Bork was gaining on her. She could hear his footsteps getting louder and louder. Suddenly, he grabbed her roughly by the arm and spun her around. They stood face to face. Over his shoulder hung a coil of thick rope. You saw the note, he said. Clumsy of me, wasn't it? I should have tossed it out of the window. Cindy tried to pull away from him, but his grip was too powerful. The dog whined and pranced around the man and Cindy. You're not dumb, he went on. I was lucky I had you convinced for as long as I did. I suppose you figured out that I'm... Not that dashing, charming special investigator Skidmore, but Bork instead. He chuckled, tightened, him, tightened his already painful grip on Cindy's arm. She winced. His voice turned cold. If it hadn't been for you, I'd have left town long ago. He twisted her arm. Cindy suddenly lunged out at him. Scratching his face, Bork winced put his hand to his eyes. You little, he shoved her violently to the ground. 
still holding a hand over his eye where Cindy had scratched him. Cindy cried out in pain as she landed on her wounded knee. Suddenly, the dog leapt in a frenzy at Bork and tried to grab his wrist. Bork kicked the dog and pulled the rope from his shoulder. In a moment, with Cindy watching helplessly, he had tied the rope around the dog's neck with a slip knot. Oh, Sam, Cindy cried, seeing the panic in the dog's eyes as he struggled against the tightening knot. She glared at Bork, noticing an ugly red blotch over his eye where she had scratched him. You can't do that. Let him go. Tears stung her eyes. She watched as the dog stopped struggling against the knot. He hung his head low, whining his big brown eyes on Cindy. Smart cur, Bork said, keeping a firm grip on the other end of the rope. A little too smart, I think. I'm afraid I'll have to take more severe precautions than I thought. Bork took the end of the rope and tied it quickly and expertly through a ring on the post. That will hold you, you mutt, he said. I'll come back and deal with you later, chum. The dog barked and lunged towards Bork, but he had was choking himself with the slipknot. Now Bork pulled Cindy up roughly, twisted her arm around her. Cindy tried to scream, but no sound came out. She had to let someone know what was happening. If only a car would pass by on Danger Road, but she realized miserably that even if one did come, she was hidden from view by the house. Bork dragged her towards the shed. She kicked and tried to scratch, but he twisted her arm higher behind her back. As they neared the shed, she once again smelled that musty, rotten stench and saw the rabbit skins tacked to the wall. There were even more flies buzzing around than now. Cindy fought back tears of terror. What would happen to her? What would happen to Sam? Bork threw open the door of the shed and shoved her inside. He was going to lock her in. Cindy looked around the small shed quickly. She had to keep calm until he left. Then she could find something to break the window. She could get out. She could, and she would. But as she felt Bork's grip once again, hard on her shoulder, her mouth went dry. He was bending down and lifting a trap door in the center of the shed. Get down there, Bork said. Fast. I'll be right behind you. I want to make sure the cellar's nice and cozy for your visit here, he chuckled maliciously. Cindy heard Sam whining and yelping outside. If only he would do something. But he was as trapped as she was. She tried not to think about what Bork was going to do to her. Cindy paused at the trap door. The mustiness was much stronger here. Cindy could sense the darkness below. She couldn't go down. She just couldn't. I said to get down there, ordered Bork. He was angry now and impatient. Feel for the ladder and get yourself down there now. In a panic, Cindy did as she was told. She felt around on her hands and knees. There was a narrow wooden ladder leaning against a wall. She turned around and crawled carefully down three steps, four, seven, eleven in all. She finally felt the floor beneath her and let go of the ladder. 
Bork descended quickly behind her. Cindy shivered as his arms brushed her face. She was glad for the light that came in from the trap door opening. Now that she was in the cellar, it wasn't pitch black at all. She could see that boxes were stacked neatly along one side of the wall. The wall looked damp. There must be water nearby. She noticed hooks on the wall, one holding a jacket and one a coil of rope, and another a few battered license plates. Several large hooks hung from the ceiling. More importantly, she noticed several light bulbs that hung on cords from the ceiling. At least she would have light down here. Don't get your hopes up, kid, Bork said, almost as if reading her mind. He methodically unscrewed each bulb from its socket, then turned to grin at Cindy. No, Cindy thought. He wouldn't leave her in the dark, would he? Bork looked around the small cavern quickly. That ought to do it, he said, seemingly, seemingly to himself. Then he looked at Cindy, who cowered next to the ladder. Make yourself comfy, kid. You're going to be here quite a while. He smashed the light bulbs against the wall and climbed back up the ladder. Cindy barely breathed. Even if he closed the trap door on her and shut out all the light, she'd be all right. She'd just wait until he was gone and then climb back up the ladder and push the trap door open. I'm going to say goodbye now, said Bork above her, peering down into the musty cavern. He put his big hands on the wooden ladder and yanked. It all came up easily. Cindy stared in panic. See? Magic. No ladder. No clever little girl climbing up it, right? No one to blab to the police until I'm far away. He laughed that cruel laugh again, and Cindy could before she could open her mouth to cry out, the trapdoor slammed shut before her. She was instantly plunged into darkness. The sudden change to darkness made Cindy dizzy. She reached out and leaned against the wall behind her for support. Feet shuffled above her, and the shed door slammed shut. All was silent for a moment. Then a frenzied barking broke the quiet. Cindy spun around, nearly losing her balance. What was Bork doing to Sam? The dog's yelping and whining grew fainter and fainter, and then it stopped. Another door slammed. Had Bork put Sam in his car? Was the slamming of the door sounded too far away to be his car? A moment later, a door slammed again, much closer to her. She heard a car start up and drive away. So Bork had left, and he'd done something to Sam. Cindy felt hot tears streaming down her cheeks. She was truly alone now. Sam was gone. Weak and terrified, Cindy slumped against the wall and slipped to the floor. She did not care how damp, musty, or dirty the cellar was. She would give herself a few minutes to rest. Then she would try to get out, somehow. Music